The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, I'm Bill's defensive end Greg Russo, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills! Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us in a special, special pre-draft edition where we have on special guest uh, Griff from the buffalorumblings.com site. He's a writer. He's been doing this for a while now. He's actually been on our podcast last few years, and I'm so excited to have him on again to talk uh, anything and everything draft. Uh, Griff, it is so good to have you on again. How are you? Thanks, Nate. Uh, I I was just thinking that we're going to turn this into an annual thing. I can just come on and do it every single year, and we do a post-draft uh, wrap-up, right? So uh, let's just turn this yep. into an annual tradition. Perfect, perfect. A tradition unlike any other, for sure. I'm. Uh, this is one of my favorite times of year, um, and obviously talking to you and, uh, and Dan in the past, like it's one of the most fun times. It's always it's always good when you get a chance to talk to somebody like yourself that's been doing the free agency work, that's been doing, and now is, has moved into the draft work, and that understands this team. Because like as much as I love to you know, talk to guys like Chris Trapasso or read their stuff, you know, like they also have to have a national slant, whereas you guys don't have to do that. You guys can just stay focused on the Buffalo Bills portion of it, which I think, uh, I think is excellent. So, I mean, let's start off from a very broad point of view, Griff. There's, you know, you've obviously, you know, you, you were taking a look at free agency where the Bills had needs and then keeping updating the, the free agency offseason tracker on the site with all the new signings, the re-signings, the people that have been let go. Um, it's We're fortunate because as Bills fans, there's not a ton of needs going into the draft. There's not, but there are some needs. Um, we've kind of been going over it throughout the podcast for the last few weeks here and there as they've re-signed people, as you know, people have, you know, gone off to different destinations. Where do you see the biggest needs uh for the Bills headed into the draft in a couple of weeks? 
Yeah, and, and you're definitely right about that. You know, they've brought in, they. Every, I think they, Brandon Bean does this every single year, is bring in enough free agents to fill up the team with options. You know, you, you don't, he never goes into a draft screaming with, with a need for any position. At least that's been the trend of the past few years. And, you know, that's exactly where the team finds itself in now with the free agency class that they just had. However, there is a almost conspicuous need, I would say, uh, going into the draft. And I, and that would have to be a cornerback. You know, we lost Levi Wallace to the Steelers. And, you know, as of uh, today's date, Brandon Bean hasn't done anything to bring in any, any new free agent, you know, veteran cornerbacks. And, you know, as, as good as Dane Jackson did play last year, um, you know, you got Trey White coming off the ACL injury, you know, how quickly is he going to be back? Um, how effective is he going to be uh, when he does come back? Um, and, you know, I, I just don't think you can go into the season with Dane Jackson as your number one cornerback option, you know, even if it's only for a week or two. Um, so I think, you know, that's that's definitely the, the most conspicuous need based on the free agency move so far. But obviously, you know, you would predict something happening there, you know, if, if the draft you know, maybe a, an action in free agency post draft. If the team wasn't able to pick up some sort of uh, cornerback that they that they liked or wanted, you know, maybe there would be some sort of action in free agency next year. But you're de- you're definitely right. Is the team is once again in that in this scenario of not having to go into the draft saying, you know, we need to you know we need to bang the table for a defensive end uh, because we got Von Miller. Or we need to bang the table for a defensive tackle um, because we certainly picked up those. Well, what's what's got to be tough, though, even more so as someone who's writing for the Buffalo Bills, is is not only are the Bills drafting so far into the first round, there's 24 picks ahead of them, but like there's besides cornerback, I mean, there's a lot of positions they could draft where you would look at it and be like, oh, you know, like I could I could see them drafting that. Like th- there's a potential that they might not draft a cornerback in first round. I mean, that seems like the biggest need to me as well. But I mean, what other positions could you see them drafting where you're like, I mean, I could say like three or four where they they draft and you'd be like, oh, okay, I could see that. Like that's, it's not a glaring need like cornerback per se, but you know, if, if, if the value and the talent isn't right at cornerback, I mean, what other positions could you see them taking if, if, if you know there's there's just like a can't miss prospect. I mean, I'll I'll take that same question and flip it for you. You know, what positions don't we think the Bills would would take? And I think you know, outside of offensive tackle, um, and even that uh, is is questionable. Um, but you know, I would say they're not probably gonna, not going to take an offensive tackle. Um, probably not going to take a quarterback. Uh, let's be honest. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know, uh, obviously specialists like punter. Uh, things like that, and you know, a couple, a couple other, you know, random spots. I, I just don't. I mean, every other spot is open. You can sell yourself on every single other position because, which is not an, you know, for some teams that's an indictment because you, you would say, oh, you don't have players at any position, so any position is open. It's for the Bills. It's, it's the exact opposite of that. It's they don't have any strong needs, and therefore you can sell yourself on every single position almost. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the Bills' depth chart, I mean, there's there's very few positions, like you said. I mean, there's to me, I, I'm having a hard time. I mean, so here's one that's come up recently, and I want your thoughts on it because 
you know, wide receiver has been something that's been talked about to the Buffalo Bills uh, in the first round. And I was for it for the most part this offseason um, until, you know, Jameson Crowder was signed, until Stefan Diggs was re-signed. So we don't have to worry about that in a couple of years going away. Um, I could still see them doing it, but I'm just wondering, I mean, is that is that specifically kind of a waste of a draft pick only because you know Stefan Diggs is your starting wide receiver on the outside. The one opposite him is Gabriel Davis. And then in the middle, you have Isaiah McKenzie and Jameson Crowder. Um, there's just, I guess there's there's potential for snaps as as someone that's like a 25th overall pick, a wide receiver, um, for sure. Uh, maybe potentially in the slot, uh, you know, maybe just getting their feet wet. Because I think McDermott does like to kind of keep their rookies, you know, not inundate them too much anyway to begin with. Um, but, I mean, there's no clear-cut way for a wide receiver, unless maybe it's a slot receiver, to get onto, to get onto the field in the next year or so, unless there's an injury. I mean, what about that position? Do you ever think about that? Or, or do you see that, like, when you see mock drafts and you see other people uh, picking the Bills at, at that level? I mean, they, I see a lot of mock drafts where the Bills have wide receiver. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I'm right I'm right there with you in terms of taking a receiver. Uh, I think the team, you know, needs to continue to keep its fastball. And yes, you know, they did sign Jameson Crowder, but it's only for a one-year deal. And and he himself is is similar to Cole Beasley. You know, he's very good at a specific thing. And that's, and that's useful, you know, when you're on third down and you're third and six and you need that first down and he's going to go, go, you know, run a route directly to the sticks, catch the ball, fall forward. And like, that's it. But if you're looking for someone to, you know, provide some, some deep threat and from the slot or, you know, from, from the Z receiver role, you know, that's not Jameson Crowder's bag. If, yeah. And that, and I think that's where the team should be looking for a receiver in terms of, in, in terms of this draft is those, you know, smaller, quicker, long speed receivers that can give the team a, a comparable deep threat. You know, as good as as good as Gabe Davis is, you know, I think Gabe Davis's role moving forward is more of a possession receiver, you know, someone who he can definitely catch he he can definitely keep you know catch deep passes and he's great at that. But he's not someone, you know, that's gonna be in one on one coverage and you just say, just beat your guy you know, zoom past them from the slot and just, you know, catch the ball and run for 60 yards like that. There's, there's lots and lots of receivers in this draft that are going to be able to do that can actually take on that role. And, uh, you know, so I think that's definitely an option for them at 25, let alone, you know, the second round and third round. Um, and I'm totally, I'm totally supportive of that is, you know, I think if, if the team wants to keep, you know, keep their fastball, keep, uh, keep Josh Allen productive, you need to, you need to, you know, continue do continue to provide him with options in the passing game, and one of way one of the ways of doing that is providing him with some you know comparable deep threats, maybe maybe you know better deep threats than the team has had in past years. You know, with John Brown, for example. Yeah, absolutely. If there's one thing that this offense is is lacking in their running backs and their tight ends and their wide receivers is just pure speed. I mean, obviously you'd, you'd like a lot more than just that, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a very good point. And you're right. They don't, they don't necessarily have that right now. That would be something of interest to me. So, I mean, so in, in the draft in general, when you look at it from a holistic standpoint, um, there's every, each and every year, there are certain positions where it's just, there's just a ton of depth and there's a ton of talent in, and then there's some, you know, positions where there's just only 
talent at the top end or somewhere there's no talent at the top end and you just have to you know you just have to kind of get through the waters and figure out exactly how you're going to get your cornerback maybe there's not a cornerback you know there's not some that are worthy of you know a top five pick or whatever whatever the case is uh in your in your opinion when you look at this draft i mean where do you see the depth uh, and where do you see the lack thereof of, of certain positions um, going into this this year's draft? Yeah, so I, I would definitely say the draft has three positions that are particularly deep. And uh, luckily for the Bills, that happens to be in uh, some of the areas that they might need help in. One, which we've already talked about, is wide receiver. Uh, you know, I'd say there's about six, maybe five, five or six guys that might go in the first round, maybe more. Um, you know, that, that list includes guys like the Ohio state guys, you know, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, uh, Jamison Williams from Alabama, Drake London from USC, um, Traylon Burks is, you know, potentially one of those guys. I'm not, uh, I'm not crazy about his fit for the, for the team. Um, but, uh, he's definitely an option, you know, then, then you kind of have some other guys. Uh, like Jahan Dotson and uh, George Pickens or Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, who can kind of rise up and, you know, it only takes one team to to fall in love with a specific specific player. So, you know, I would say five or six guys in the wide receiver position is an option for the first round. And, and you know, going beyond that, it's, it's definitely a, a very deep draft for wide receiver as well. Um, for not necessarily for a specific body type, you know, I think there's I think there's a little bit more slot guys, guys with in particular deep speed, um, than it is you know number one you know X receivers that are gonna you know six three and and gonna be your number one receivers going forward. But uh, wide receivers definitely a position there. Defensive end is the other one. Uh, you know, everybody knows about Aiden Hutchinson and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau who. Um, you know, the discussion with, with Thibodeau in particular, um, has been interesting these past couple of weeks, you know, the rumor is he might end up dropping, uh, you know, lower in the first round, but we'll see about that. Um, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, uh, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida state, uh, George Karlaftis out of Purdue. You know, I think that's, that's maybe five, five, six guys, similar, uh, similar to wide receiver that might go in the first round. Um, then there's a decent amount of developmental guys at defensive end, you know, guys in maybe the, the fifth or fourth round that, you know, you might take a flyer on and, you know, they have the body type, they have the athleticism, uh, that you'd be looking for. And, you know, they just need a little bit of development. Like, you know, I'm thinking of like, uh, Dominique Ro- uh, Roberson out of Miami of Ohio or Alex Wright of U- out of UAB, you know, guys, you might want to take a flyer on in the middle rounds and maybe they, de- they develop into a starter. Um, so defensive end, wide receiver, and of course cornerback. Uh, cornerback's a little bit interesting. Um, there's about three guys uh, who you know could go within the top 15 picks and maybe won't be available uh, for the Bills when where they pick at 25. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Sauce Gardner, uh, Trent McDuffie, and Derek Stingley. But you know, below those guys, you know, there might not be an if if. Those three guys go in the top 15 picks. There might not be another cornerback picked until the Bills selection. Um, and, you know, guys that might be available there include Andrew Booth or Kyler Gordon or Roger McCreary. Um, so, you know, I think the team is definitely going to have options there at corner. And uh, going down the cornerback, you know, list into the middle rounds, 
there's there's definitely guys, you know, maybe one or two guys every round that I could see that you know fit the Bills stere- stereotype or or uh, prototype at the position, I should say, that you might want to want to think about, uh, you know, depending on if the Bills end up trading up and getting getting or trading down and getting more picks or trading up and having less that you might want to take a take a shot at too. So I would pick out those three positions in terms of depth, and then in terms of areas that are thin. Uh, luckily, this doesn't affect Buffalo necessarily, but quarter, quarterback is not its not a great draft for a quarterback. You know, I think this is one one air, time uh, Bills fans can pat themselves on the back that we don't need a quarterback. You know, we're not going to be forced into picking, you know, Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. You know, we don't have to sell ourselves on those guys. We have an elite quarterback, so uh, Bills fans can, can take a well-deserved des- rest in that area. Um, and then defensive tackle. Um, it's just not – there's – there's a couple first round options, you know, uh, the guys out of Georgia in particular, you know, with Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, um, who I'm sure Bill's fans are familiar with. Um, Jordan Davis in particular is, is the best run plugging defensive tackle um, in the draft. And he's probably going to go in the first round. Um, but outside of those areas, there's, you know, there's a couple, a couple decent options every once in a while, you know, in, uh, in the third round, in the second round that you might want to bang the table for. But it's just not, you know, there's not five guys. It's not like defensive end, you know, there's five or six guys that are going to go in the first round or the second round. It's just, you know, the, the, the pickings are a little bit slim there. And so maybe that's that's why it's maybe that's why Buffalo targeted um, that, that particular position in free agency is they saw the, the weakness of this incoming class. Man, isn't it nice to have or at least have that thought that our general manager in front office is has has enough foresight to actually see that coming and adjust for it rather than just kind of react to everything that just seems to be happening instead of proactively taking an approach it's just it's it's a nice time to be a bills fan i just have to say that when when you mentioned that just now um so you so one of the things that i want i want to talk about moving up or moving down in a second but you mentioned cornerbacks falling to the buffalo bills and i think that's a huge need for the buffalo bills um and the thing that gets me is that they have put almost no draft capital into the position is, since Tredavious White. And that was technically before Brandon Bean got here. Um, and I'm wondering if they really see it as as big of a need as we do as fans. Now, I, I'm much more worried because, like you said, Tredavious White, we don't know for sure his timetable on coming back. And they didn't address it, like you mentioned earlier, um, in free agency. And Dane Jackson is right now our number one starting cornerback, potentially. Um, he's either the starter besides Tredavious White, or he is the starter at this point if Tredavious White isn't 100%. Um, we, both both scenarios are kind of scary. Um, not that I don't like Dane Jackson. I think he has promise. I still think he's, he's a little new and raw. Um, and I think there's potential to do better in the first few rounds of the draft. Do you ever think that they don't view that as big of a need as the fan base does like does that ever cross your mind because i i get this feeling because what, what was the 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 earliest drafted cornerback since Tredavious white was taron johnson i believe in the fourth round um in 2018 so like the bills never invest heavily into that into that specific spot um could it be could it potentially be not just because guys 
you know, come off the board or whatever. Like there could be an Andrew Booth or maybe even someone else that drops outside the top 15 that the Bills just don't pull the trigger on just because they don't value the position as much as we as a fan base do. Do you ever get that, that, uh, that thought by any chance? I definitely, I definitely get that sense. And you get that sense when you, you know, look at the actions the team has taken, you know, as you, as you point out, uh, with Taron Johnson's selection being the highest pick, it's a fourth round pick. And, you know, I think the team says to themselves, they have, um, you know, two elite safeties that are, you know, particularly known for their pass coverage and, you know, have cornerback level skills. You know, you can, you can bust out, um, Micah Hyde in a cornerback role. That's what he did earlier in his career in Green Bay. And, and, you know, he can cover, he can cover wide receivers, um, in the slot or outside. So, you know, they have, they have safeties with cornerback coverage level skills. And, you know, that if you put in, put them in too high scenario or even a, even a single high safety, if you put Micah Hyde in a single high safety scenario, he's still going to help out Dane Jackson and Trey White enough where you're maybe not as worried about, you know, having, you know, the six round Dane Jackson cover, you know, the, some team's second wide receiver. Um, so, you know, I think there's, I think it's easy to admit that there's less em- emphasis there. So, is there a, does the team say, you know, does the team go into this draft and say, okay, we don't have an option besides Dane Jackson um, at the cornerback position necessarily. Does that mean we take a guy in the first round or second round? I don't think so. Um, maybe they try to make that up. Maybe they try to fill that gap with numbers. Maybe they take two guys, you know, in the later, in the later rounds, maybe they take a guy in the fifth and a guy in the sixth and say, okay, you guys are going to compete with Dane Jackson and whoever, Whoever competes the best is, is going to get the get the spot. Um, or some of it may also be they like their internal options. Um, you know, they do have Saran Neal as, you know, a potential option there. Um, they do have guys, you know, lower in the depth chart that they could still have fight um, fight for that spot opposite uh, Dane Jackson if, you know, Trey White isn't, isn't you know, immediately coming back um, for the first couple of weeks. So they, they definitely have internal options there, too. So, you know, I think the fact that they, the Bills don't emphasize cornerback is pretty evident. Um, so I, you know, if I'm a Bills fan looking at the draft and we say, oh, you know, we don't have anyone outside of Trey White. We need to draft the corner in first. We need to draft the corner in second. You know, I, I, would, ha- I would hesitate to, to commit to that. Um, you know, the Brandon Bean may try to make up that gap later on in the draft, possibly with greater numbers. Yeah, I I. I... I think those are all excellent points, Griff. I, I, I kind of want to bring it up because I don't want Bills fans to get upset when day one comes by and there's no cornerback uh, or potentially part of day two or all of day two passes. And Friday night, the Bills are like, what? So we have to wait till the fourth round? I, I like that strategy of potentially hitting it with two day three picks or maybe a day two and a day three pick if you can't get one early in the first or the second round. Um in that sort of scenario. But yeah, I, I, I'm wondering, I, I wonder more and more if the bills don't really worry about that position as much as we do um, because of everything you just mentioned. Um, but I will say now going back to position wise um, in the mock draft that you just posted from Mel Kuyper, he did have a safety taken in the first round too. And we just mentioned like, you know, the bills have two all pro safeties. I mean, another, again, another position the bills could easily take and you're like, okay, I can kind of see that, you know, they do have Jordan Poyer on one on a, on a contract uh, that's expiring after this season. Um, at least as of now. Uh, but yeah, it's really interesting. So, so as far as, you know, where the bills 
may or may not move up. So historically, Brandon Bean likes to move up in the draft to get his guy. The Bills have eight picks in this year's draft. Uh, you could argue that this is one of the deeper rosters that they've had. So it may it may be tougher for a player to make the roster in the later rounds than previously, uh, previous years. Um, I guess I'm wondering, you know, on your thoughts on will the Bills, are they more likely to move up? Are they more likely to move back? Um, I kind of go in between. I think that they could, I could see them moving up to get rid of more picks just because I don't think they're going to keep as many players. But at the same time, I could see them moving back if that means they get more picks next season when they have a few free agents, you know, uh, a, a few players that could potentially become unrestricted free agents and leave. Um, when you, when you look at this year's draft and you look at the, you know, how this, how this is going to pan out, do you see the bills trading up more or trading down more when you look at the players available or just in any scenario that you, that you've been approaching? Yeah. You know, it's, it's uncharted territory for sure. Um, you know, cause let's, let's say, first of all, that Brandon Bean has never traded down um, in the first, in the first round. So this, that would be, you know, complete, if he did decide to do that, it would, it would be completely uncharted territory. Um, but, you know, I think where the team is when, you know, when you look at the team holistically, uh, you're absolutely right is, you know, this is not an, not an aging team, but this is a team certainly that many, with many players in their prime, um, you know, if not, if not a little, a little bit past their prime. Um, so, you know, the, being the GM, you have to, you have to consider that you have to consider, you know, the fact that, you know, their contracts are getting more expensive and, you know, they're getting older, they're getting less effective on the field. So, you know, do we want to not necessarily reload, but, you know, the, the worry has to become, they're just, you don't want more expensive players that are, that are, you know, have declining play. So you, so one way to make that up is you make it up through the draft and you, you know, fill some of those veteran roles with, you know, either, you know, middle round rookies or more highly drafted rookies. So, you know, the, the where the team is in, you know, let's, let's call it its life cycle. Um, that's definitely an option is, is trading down and, and finding more, more affordable options, you know, outside. And I'm thinking of players, uh, you know, more affordable options along the offensive line, you know, in comparing to say Mitch Morse or more affordable players at linebacker compared to like Matt Milano or, you know, some of those guys that are, that are nice players. But, you know, if you could find in a, if you could find, you know, 80% of Matt Milano for 20% of his pay, I think you might, you might think about doing that. Um, so that's definitely an option as well. Um, and, you know, to your point, trading up is, is definitely an option, you know, from another perspective, um, like you said, the team is, the team is, has, it's a great team. You know, we have, we have a lot of good players. Now is the time if you want to win the Super Bowl, and if you can get a, you know, an, another elite wide receiver that you think is going to put you over the edge or give you something that you don't have, um, you know, now's the time to pull the trigger on it because, you know, now the, the team is ready to win now and, you know, potentially win now for the next few years as long as, you know, as long as everybody stays healthy. And so, you know, shoot your shot that I think that's a lot of what went into getting Bob Miller. And so, you know, following that, that same logic in the, to the draft is okay. Trading up for someone we think is particularly elite and particularly going to give us something that we don't have. So from a positional standpoint, um, I've never been 
maybe because I've been a Bills fan long enough, I've seen them draft so many running backs in the first round. I've just grown grown sour to the idea of that happening. And uh, it's not fair to like all the prospects coming out, but I'm just, you know, I've seen it happen before. It hasn't worked out well. Uh, and I even up until last year, I didn't want them to to draft a, a, uh, a running back in the first round. I thought the Bills needed help still on their offensive line. Well, you could argue this is potentially the best offensive line that Josh Allen has ever had. I mean, they still lack some depth in, in some areas, but their starting five could potentially be the best that they've had since Josh Allen has taken the helms at, at quarterback. Uh, this is the first draft where I've actually looked at running backs and said, you know what, maybe a haul at 25, uh, maybe someone like that, uh, could potentially be a missing piece that the Bills have needed. Uh, when you look at, at that position uh, and running back specifically, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? And and do you think that this could be like a spot like you just said, like like your this is this is your window. Like get that player that's just like you know a step or two above a Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and take that offense to the next level. Yeah, and. Running back is definitely, it's another, you know, if you added a running back, it's definitely in having that, you know, uh, club in your bag, so to speak. It's, it's another way for your offense to become elite. So, you know, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I don't know about taking one high this draft, you know, as, as entertaining as it is to think of having Brees Hall. Well, first of all, you know, Brees Hall may not even be a, first, there, there may not be a first round running back um, in this, in this draft. So, um, I, I would be hesitant to spend a, a first round pick on Brees Hall when maybe you could get, maybe he's available, you know, middle of the second round, obviously that, that'll, that'll depend on draft night, but, um, you know, it's, it's very tantalizing to, to think, think about having, you know, one, the top two running backs in this draft, um, and, and how good they are. Um, but you know, I fit wise, um, there's plenty of other running backs in this draft that give you that, electric speed you know that electric long speed that the team may be looking for um at running back or you know better receiving ability um you know wide receiver type receiving ability uh that the team might be looking for or at least was looking for during free agency and that's you know that's why they picked up ended up picking up duke johnson um so you know i think there's definitely guys in the middle round that you know you don't have to you don't have to say to yourself at pick 25 okay we need to find you know we need to get Brees Hall right now he's still on the board let's let's take the most elite running back in this draft and call it a day you know I think I think there's definitely room to take a running back in this draft um but I think where the where the depth is and where you know the team might be looking might be more you know in the middle middle rounds like rounds four uh four five and six Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great. So when you're when you're looking at the first round, the first few rounds, uh, you know, there's obviously players that you're looking at that you kind of maybe develop a mock draft or draft crush on based on how they look on film, uh, their their traits, their physical traits, uh, speed, uh, whatnot. Uh, maybe the way that they just fit with the Bills because you know how the Bills play so well. Um, do you have a few? Uh, you know, personal draft crushes, uh, that, that you've, uh, that you've come across so far this year. So I remember watching, um, Jameson Williams live when, when, uh, Alabama was playing Georgia. And if, if you, there's, there's a couple players every year that you watch, you know, watch a game on TV and you're just like, wow, they are, they have an elite talent of whatever it is in his case, you know, it's long speed. He ran away from the entire Georgia secondary which if you 
every one of the Georgia secondary is an amazing athlete, like, and just, you know, just ran away from them. And, and this happened all throughout the season of just watching Jameson Williams. It's, it's Tyreek Hill esque of, of seeing him with a ball in his hands, just be like, boop, 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 just run, you know, run the entire length of the field and get an 80 yard touchdown on a deep ball. Um, so Jameson Williams is definitely, definitely one. And, you know, luckily for the bills, maybe unluckily for him, he ended up tearing his ACL during the season. And so, you know, there's an option that, you know, he might be available where the bills pick just based on, on medical, um, on, on his medical situation. So, um, so, you know, if, if I would be ecstatic, if the team was able to draft Jameson Williams, cause he has a very uh, well-rounded skill set. Um, this actually came up in the, in the Kuiper mock, uh, draft that I wrote about recently, but Dax, Dax Hill is, uh, the safety for out of Michigan is just very entertaining to watch. He's, you know, kind of a spark plug for, for the defense. He can do, you know, multiple different things. He can, he can play man coverage. He can play the slot. He's physical. Like if you were, if, if you were, um, doing a player comparison for Dax Hill, I think Jordan Poyer would be a strong comparison, you know, even a, even a kind of more athletic Jordan Poyer where he's not, He's, he's not huge. He's not a big safety. You know, he's not 220 pounds, but he's not afraid to stick his face in the fan, you know, per se, and just, you know, hit a, hit a, you know, 210 pound running back, um, and just knock him down and, and then stand up over him and be, be that like alpha. Um, and so that, you know, those guys always stand out, stand out to me, um, in, in terms of defense. Um, and then, uh, not not necessarily that uh, tackles the greatest need for the Bills, but Trevor Penning um, outside of uh, Northern Iowa. When I was, uh, you know, watching very, I, I had to watch his clips on YouTube, on YouTube, unfortunately, because, you know, there's not, a, not too much uh, Northern Iowa going around uh, in terms of uh, ESPN games, but uh, he, his feet are just so good and he's smooth and strong and massive. And, you know, his, 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 uh, relative athletic score is just insane. You know, he's, he's, uh, physical and just, you know, he'll, he'll, his punch is great. Like I, if, if the team did in fact, you know, it's not the, like I said, it's not the best need, but if the team t ended up taking a tackle, um, Bill's fan, he would become a, a Bill's fan favorite because just of like the, his play style and just how physical he is. Um, and so that would, that I, in terms of draft crushes, I'd, I'd, I'd have to go with those three guys. That's interesting. You brought up tackle because I mean that if the bills did draft one in the first round, um, which, which I'm guessing he would be, it was easy for roughly a first rounder. Uh, yeah. First, first or second round. Definitely. Because I mean, that's technically a higher spot than they took Spencer Brown. So they could easily look at him immediately for right tackle, or at least in the, in the interim, uh, an option as a swing tackle over Tommy Doyle. I mean, there's not, you could get him on the field as, you know, in some way, shape or form if you wanted to. So that's, it's so funny. We were just talking about needs and that's if, if you, if they drafted an offensive tackle, yeah, sure. It's not a big need, but could I see them doing it? Yeah, potentially. If it's well, and, and both of them, I mean, they were both teammates. Um, and so for both of them, um, you know, you can, you can move Spencer Brown inside, maybe, you know, there's a, a the, the offense, there's a lot to project about the offense because you, you're not sure how they're going to evolve in their, in their run blocking scheme. So, are, you know, are they going to turn into more of a zone blocking team um, and, and run more zone, you know, zone running concepts? 
Um, and if so, you know, then Spencer Brown's athleticism might work better inside. Um, or maybe, um, maybe work penning inside. Um, so, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot to, there's a lot we don't understand now in terms of how the Bills offense is going to evolve with Ken Dorsey at the helm. Um, so, you know, and that's, and that what, that's what makes the draft fun is we don't actually know what the team wants to do, let alone what they will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, as far as I know, all of your work is on buffalorollings.com, but you, do you, are you also on Twitter, Griff? I am on Twitter. I, I am looking for more Twitter followers too. I'm, I'm, uh, at Griff at a Griff four, two, six. Um, so you can follow me on there. Um, I pretty much exclusively um, use Twitter for draft content, um, so you can always see me on there. And, and like I said, I'm always looking for followers. If you want to um, hear any of my thoughts on on certain prospects, or if I'm watching a college football game or something, giving my thoughts as, as it relates to the Bills specifically. Oh, perfect, perfect, great. Well, we'll send all, all the followers to you through the site and through um, when this podcast episode, uh, when both of these episodes come out. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate.